I guess we're on. <laughs> Do you need to test the sound quality or is it good? It's good. So good evening everybody. My name's Mark Coleman. Welcome to this weekend retreat. Pleasure to have such a full house here. I'm so delighted that you're all able to come and make time to be at IMS and delve into a silent meditation course. I'm very happy to be here. Usually I come here every winter. It's uh, in, in February where it's about minus 73 every time I come. I, come, I, I live out in uh, the Bay Area. I teach it. I'm based at Spirit Rock, which is a sister center to this place. So um, I do a little temperature extreme drop when I come from summer in California in February to winter here in February. Um, so it's beautiful to be here. We've got a beautiful weekend ahead of us, and um, yeah, just very happy to see you all. So. Um, I'm curious to know who's here, since I, do, I recognize a few faces, but not so many. I think there's uh, at least um, 50 or 60 where this is your first retreat. So can I just get a sense, who's, who, this is, who, for who is this the first silent meditation retreat? Okay, look around, just make sure you see you're not alone. If you're thinking, my God, I'm the only one, everybody else looks like they know what they're doing. Okay, and who's new to IMS, this, this course? Okay, again, look around. It's a lot of people, almost half, two-thirds. Good. So, um, so Elizabeth just gave you the whistle-stop tour of all the things you're not allowed to do. <laughs> I hope that's clear. <laughs> um, so I'm going to say some words, just to give a little orientation to the retreat, to... <coughs> this practice and what to expect in the coming days uh, and then to sort of lead us into the retreat proper. So, but before I do that, I uh, want to just uh, have all of you reflect on why, why it is that you're here. What brought you here? What was the intention? What was the seed? What was the inspiration? What was the, what fueled because what fuels you, what, what, what your intention is, really guides how uh, an activity or an event or a retreat unfolds. Especially when we go through ups and downs and we wonder, why am I here? What, why did I sign up for this? Why could have been at some spa somewhere or something else? And here I am, sitting, looking at my navel. So, um, and what I'd like you to do, actually, we'll do it just for a couple of minutes. Um, also, because we're going to go into silence after this, um, I want you to just to get a, get a little sense of who's around you um, to uh, take a couple of minutes and just exploring, just asking each other what brings you here. Yeah? And then we'll do a little feedback. So again, you all come with different intentions, different desires. And I'd like to get a sense of, of what motivated you. There's a, there's a cartoon, there's a New Yorker cartoon that I always think of when at this time of retreat, um, there's two goldfish uh, swimming in the ocean, or wherever goldfish swim in the natural habitat. I've never seen them in a natural habitat. And, um, <clears throat> and one asks the other, so what do you hope to get out of life? You know, what's your deepest wish, deepest intention? 
And the other one says, you know, I want the whole deal. I want the little glass bowl. I want the color gravel and the castle and the plastic plant. <laughs> so who knows why you're here, but maybe it's the food. Maybe it's these nice round cushions. I don't know. <laughs> so, so just turn to somebody, introduce yourself, and uh, just a couple of minutes, just why you're here, what brings you here. And if you can't find somebody, join another pair. Seems like there was a lot of reason to be here. <laughs> Anybody want to shout out in a word or two what brings you here? Peace. Peace. What was that in the? Metta. Metta is a, is a Buddhist word for loving kindness, for those who don't know. Curious. Curious. <laughs> Laughter. <laughs> figure it out. To figure it out. Good. I hope you tell me when you find out what the... <laughs> Restful. Restful. Huh? Mm-hmm. Slow down. Slow down. Get away. Get away. Self-awareness. Self-awareness. Focus. Focus. Mm-hmm. Exploration. Exploration. Reflect. I miss... Pardon? Reflect. Reflect. Uh-huh. Stillness. Stillness. Levitation. <laughs> We've got a high ceiling here, so you've got plenty of scope. <laughs> the Vipassana facelift. The Vipassana facelift. Ah, the Vipassana facelift. Vipassana is, a, is the word, name of the practice here, which means seeing clearly 
and the facelift is uh, when you meditate, your whole face relaxes. You get a natural <laughs> Botox treatment. <laughs> it's true, it could take about 10 years off your life. Surgery-free, drug-free. <laughs> Good, so lots of reasons to be here. And I'm sure if you heard different things spoken, that you may be resonating um, with those. And each time we come to do retreat, we may have a different intention. Um, I particularly resonated with the, the slowing down, slowing down, unplugging. Anybody need to slow down here? Yeah, just a few. So here we are about to embark on a meditation retreat, which is something that uh, has been done for thousands of years in pretty much every spiritual tradition that I know has some form of retreating, some form of taking time away, say taking time out of our normal busy lives, our roles, family, work, etc., to, to look within, to be quiet, to reflect, to contemplate, to meditate, to calm the mind, still the body, and to see what's there, to take a deeper look. And in our lives, they're often pretty busy. Anybody have a busy life here? <laughs> As my friend calls it, we become homo shoppians as opposed to homo sapiens, you know, busy doing and getting ahead and uh, cramming things in, multitasking, rushing around. So this is a time to slow down, to pause, which we don't do much in our culture anymore. You know, especially with technology, it's speeding things up. So any moment there's a pause where we'd normally just, you know, stand waiting for a bus or standing in line or, you know, we're twittering and tweeting and all kinds of things with our fingers and phones. And this is a, a piece from the Times uh, from Amy Krause Rosenthal called Sweet Nothing. How have you been? Busy. How's work? Oh, busy. How's your week? Good. Busy. Yes, you name the question, busy is the answer. I know we're all terribly busy doing terribly important things, but I think more often than not, busy is simply the most acceptable knee-jerk response. Certainly there are more interesting and original and accurate ways to answer the question, how are you? Like, I'm hungry for a burrito. I'm envious of my best friend. I'm frustrated by everything that's broken in my house. Or I'm just itchy. Yet busy stands alone as the easiest way of summarizing all that you do and all that you are. I'm busy is the short way of saying, my time is filled, my phone doesn't stop ringing, and you, therefore, should think well of me. Have people always been this busy? Did cavemen think they were busy too? Man, this week's crazy. I've got about 10 caves to draw in. Can I meet you by the fire next week? I have a hunch that there is a direct correlation between the advent of coffee bars and the increase in busyness. Look at us. We're all pros now at hailing cabs, carpooling, performing surgeries with a to-go cup in hand. We're skittering about like hyperactive gerbils, high not just on caffeine, but on caffeine's luscious byproduct, productivity. Ah, the joy of doing and accomplishing and crossing off. As kids, our answer to most every question was, uh, uh, what did you do at school today? Or what's new was, nothing. In our country's history, there have been exactly seven kids who responded with a statement other than nothing. (laughs) Then somewhere on the way to adulthood, we each took a 180-degree turn. We cashed in on nothing for busy. I'm starting to think that like youth, the word nothing is wasted on the young. 
Maybe we should try reintroducing it into our grown-up vernacular. Nothing, I say it to myself a few times, and I can feel myself becoming more quiet, decaffeinated, zenish even. Nothing, nothing, nothing. How do we get so far away from it? So, we are far away from it, for most of us. Maybe there's a few of you out there who somehow sidestep the, the onslaught of the pace of culture. So, um, so one of the delicious things about retreat is we get to do nothing. You, know, you may look at the schedule and go, oh my God, that looks like a really full schedule, but it's really a schedule doing nothing. <laughs> we sit and do nothing, we walk and do nothing, we eat and do nothing, we have to take a break and we do nothing. My uh, favorite Spanish proverb, I lived in Spain for a while, and it goes something like, um, it is beautiful to do nothing and then rest afterwards. <laughs> Only the country that invented the siesta would come up with a phrase like that. So, so really to invite yourselves, invite your body and your mind, your heart into uh, letting go as much as you can of the busyness of the, and you'll feel yourself, oh, I've got to get to lunch now, I've got to get to my, you know, something, cushion, or to my walking place, or to my room, or, no, I just, you know, you get there when you get there, you can slow down. And so I really invite you to slow down, slow down the walking, slow down the rushing, brushing of the teeth, slow down of whatever it is you do. You know, we're not in a hurry here. And um, as we slow down, what we find is we come, we were a little more able to be in the present. So, so much of the practice is oriented towards coming into the present moment. And then we come into the present moment, we get a little uh, chance or opportunity to see what's here. Usually in the busyness of our days and our rushing and our thinking and our planning, anticipating and our worrying, we don't actually get much chance to just simply be. There's a great line from the Taoist philosopher Lao Tzu who said the most important thing to do is to be human being. Yeah. So what it is to be? What it is to be without an agenda, without a plan, without getting somewhere? So there's a poem. I don't know the author of this poem. Uh, it goes like this. And this again is speaking to what happens in, in the silence and the, and the quiet. It goes, what in your life is calling you when all the noise is silenced, the meetings adjourned, the lists laid aside, and the wild iris blooms by itself in the dark forest? What still pulls on your soul? In the silence between heartbeats hides a summons. Do you hear it? Name it if you must. Leave it forever nameless. But why pretend it is not there? So perhaps in the silence and the stillness here, you'll get a little sense, a little uh, reflection or a deeper pulse of our hearts or our bodies, our minds, our being. We'll also be studying uh, essential aspects of meditation and Buddhist teaching and practice as it relates to this, this meditation of vipassana, of mindfulness, so in particular, how these teachings and practices can support well-being and happiness and ease and peace and joy and equanimity, some beautiful qualities. So simply, Buddhism is a path that helps us to understand our human state, our human predicament, why it is that we're not happy, 
why it is that we're, we're stressed, why it is that we're suffering. And as we understand that, we have the possibility of uh, freeing ourselves into living a life that has more joy, more peace, more equanimity, more clarity, more ease, more well-being. Anybody want any of that? Yeah. So Thich Nhat Hanh, the Vietnamese teacher, Buddhist teacher, put it like this. He said, Buddhism is simply a way to live well. Buddhism is simply a way to live well. Happiness is available. Please help yourself. So, and that's really in the spirit of these teachings. I'll be sharing a lot of things this weekend, teachings from the Buddha, teachings from other teachers, teaching from my own experience. Um, and they're really just invitations. It's not dogma. I don't expect you to go away and you know, suddenly take it on as a creed, but to really pay attention. Well, is, is this is what this person's saying is true? Let me, let me investigate it for myself. And the central practice or technique that we'll be using is the cultivation of mindfulness. So this course is called The Art and Science of Mindfulness, um, which is the title of a couple of books uh, that friends of mine have written about, The Art and Science of Mindfulness. So, and mindfulness is both an art, uh, it's a technique that has a scientific method- methodological aspect to it. So we'll be learning techniques and forms and structures that help you develop it, become more aware. And there's also an art. There's, a, there's, a, there's a, an intuitive, creative way of doing the practice, just like anything. And mindfulness is something that's very simple, very accessible, very ordinary. It's simply the quality, the capacity to pay attention. And I'll be talking a lot about this as the weekend goes along. How do we pay attention? How do we show up in the moment in a way that's not judging, that's not interfering, it's not fixing, it's not controlling, not manipulating, but just simply meeting and accepting our experience ourselves as it is, which is actually very simple, but not so easy. To simply meet a difficult moment, a beautiful moment, a painful moment as it is. So we'll be learning a lot about that. And that practice of mindfulness helps us develop a deep self-awareness, Awareness of our mind and our thoughts and our beliefs, our patterns. Awareness of our heart and emotions and how they move through us. Uh, Awareness of our body. And this practice is very much grounded in the body. Sometimes often meditation is thought of as an out-of-the-body experience. Mindfulness is an in-the-body experience. We're going to learn to inhabit our bodies. Mostly we... We know our bodies from the eyebrows upwards. And then we look down and go, and when, when, this, when this thing goes wrong, we get annoyed with it. Like, come on already. Stop feeling sick. You know, so we're going to learn to actually be in our body. Because Why? Because the body is always in the present moment. Just tap your head for a second. Yeah. Is it in the present moment? Are you here? <laughs> right? It's in the present moment. You feel it. Yeah. So... Uh, the body is a support for that, and the senses are a support. Hearing, seeing, smelling, tasting, touching. Thinking is what mostly takes us away from the moment into back to work, and in our relationship, and finances, and vacations, and who knows what. So, um, and as we get more into the present, we get to see, and we calm the mind, focus a little, we get to see more clearly. To understand the truth, to understand reality, to understand anything, we need to be clear. 
We can't just have a muddy, busy, thinking, crazy mind like we normally do. We're not going to see very clearly. There's a cartoon from uh, the far side. There's a bunch of cows in a field. It's Gary Larson's. And uh, everyone's, all the cows are eating grass, and except one's like, you know, sort of in shock, <laughs> looking around. <laughs> and the caption says, hey, wait a minute, this is grass. We've been eating grass. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes in meditation, you know, with this cloud, we get, we get some insights. It's like, oh, look at that. Look at the way I do that. Look at the way I think about it. Look at the way I fear that. Look at the way I react to that. Look at the way that I make myself miserable by beating up on myself or setting impossibly high standards or you know, reacting to things I think are unpleasant. So we get to see more clearly. And then with the, when the, with the insight, there's a chance to, to also let go of that which is causing us some grief, some suffering. So we'll do this through a systematic uh, practice of uh, sitting meditation, paying attention to our breath and our body. We'll do this through walking meditation, paying attention to the the simple activity of moving on the earth as a way of learning how to stay present while we're in an ordinary activity like walking and standing. We'll do it as we eat. We'll be eating more mindfully. We'll be in silence. We'll be in stillness. So many different supports for, for arriving here. So other things that support us being here. So as Elizabeth said, the silence is one of the richest uh, supports here. If, if all we did was nothing except be here for a weekend, did nothing, turn the cell phones off, and we're just silent, just quiet, with ourselves for a weekend, that would be transformative in itself. Yeah? Where we just didn't do anything, just, you know, there's a great line from the French philosopher Louis Pasteur who said, uh, most of the world's problems would be solved if people could learn to sit by themselves in a room quietly for a few hours doing nothing. Right? This was in the 16th century. <laughs> so he applies even more in the 21st century, yeah? If we could just, I mean, how, how many of us these days sit quietly in a chair for a few hours and do absolutely nothing? How often do we give that gift to ourselves? Well, you have the whole weekend to do that. Sit quietly, do nothing, except pay attention. So, and we have this, this, this uh, preciousness of silence. Maybe you, some of you took a walk here before coming in here and just felt the stillness of the forest and the the, the quietness of the evening and uh, maybe you already started to feel a kind of quietening down. So the silence uh, is one of my favorite things about this practice. I've been doing this practice in this f- tradition for about 20 years. And um, uh, there's just something very uh, delicious about it. You know, as, as, as beautiful as conversation can be and talking and laughing and having fun, all of that, there's something also very rich that the soul really values. Uh, and I know, I know some of you are going, oh my God, this is a silent retreat? 
or I'm never going to last, I can't wait to get my cell phone out and sneak away into the woods, and, <laughs> and or they're taking bets at, bets at the office to see how long I last, you know. And often it's the thing that we come to most cherish. It's a thing that's actually very rare in our, in our world these days, silence. And um, it can initially f- feel intimidating. Oh no, how do I be with a hundred people and not say anything? You know, or my MO is to connect or smile or engage or something. Um, and over time, if this is new, you, you, it, will, it will get a little more comfortable as time goes on. Uh, the dining room can sometimes feel a little awkward, you know, you're sitting across from somebody, you don't talk for half an hour eating your porridge. Um, but we're all doing this as a practice. And, with it, and it's an invitation to stay with ourselves, to be quiet. Uh, and there's something very powerful about silence. You know, as you'll feel in the night air here, in the silence of this hall, in the silence of this place, we access something, or we, this, we, we have an intimation of something deeper. You know, something mysterious, something sacred, something vaster than ourselves. It takes us out of the ordinary chattering mind, which often keeps us very small and limited and narrow. I came here last night and I got in uh, after flying from the West Coast and uh, uh, staying down the road and uh, just opened the windows and listened to the night air, which was very silent except for the sound of the frogs. It's just like this whole symphony of frogs and going in and out of silence. And it's just something, it just touches a deep part in us. So I really, um, as Libby mentioned, invite you to uh, really unplug. Give yourselves the gift of unplugging 100%. Cell phones off, no texting, no emailing, no phone calling, no nada. No reading. So we also invite you to not read anything. Put your books down, magazines, periodicals, whatever you brought to catch up on. This is not the time. (laughs) The whole orientation of practice is is to... be in the present. So anything that can take us out of the present, uh, including reading and talking, all of that, we, we invite you to let it go. And so each one of us has to commit to taking this, to being silent. Because if a couple of people are chatting in the middle of the dining room, the whole retreat is no longer silent. So I need 100% commitment from all of you for that. So the silence is a beautiful support. The nature here is a great support. There's times after the meals to take walks. You can do your walking meditation outside. There's something also about nature that calls us into the present moment just because it's so beautiful, it's so still, and um, uh, it's not busy chattering like we're always busy chattering. It's quiet in a certain way. This is from the poet Wendell Berry. He writes... When despair for the world grows in me and I wake in the night at the least sound in fear of what my life and my children's lives may be, I go and lie down where the wood drake rests in his beauty on the water and where the great heron feeds. I come into the peace of wild things who do not tax their lives with forethought of grief. I come into the presence of still water and I feel above me the day-blind stars waiting with their light. For a time I rest in the grace of the world and am free. 
So I love that poem because it very simply speaks to the, the power of going out into nature. So a few of the things I just want to invite you to bear in mind as you go through this weekend. Of course, you'll forget everything I said and I'll remind you tomorrow morning, but that's okay. Uh, maybe a few things will stick. One of them is to have patience with yourselves. Anybody here have a little lack of patience with themselves? Yeah, we've become a very impatient culture. I think with the speeding up of technology, you know, when a, when a you know, web page uploads, downloads, three nanoseconds too slow. We're like, come on! So, and uh, things happen slowly here. You know, minds calm down slowly, spiritual progress happens slowly, insight happens slowly. So, um, to be patient with yourself, with your body, with the mind that kind of keeps going loop, loop-de-loo. Um, impatience to get somewhere. Wow, it's 12 o'clock on Saturday, I'm not enlightened yet. Come on, what's wrong with this program? You know, just to, 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 to notice if you're setting yourself impossibly high standards you know, or expectations. Notice what expectations you came with. Notice the expectations and then let them go. And then let the retreat be what it is. I have no idea what this retreat's going to be like. I've done you know, hundreds of these retreats. I have no idea. I have no idea. And you have no idea, even if you've done a bunch of these retreats, you just have no idea. We have no idea what this evening will bring, what dreams will come, what your meditation will be like tomorrow morning. You might think, oh my God, six o'clock, forget it. And you may have the most blissful meditation you've ever had. We just don't know. So to let go of those expectations or ideas and just show up and just do the program. I've designed the retreat schedule, even though it looks like a lot, um, to really approach it with a relaxed ease. You know, one of my teachers, he says, follow the form with an outer discipline. So an outer discipline meaning you just show up and do the program, but with an inner spaciousness. So this practice is not about being grim or serious or dour. It's about being relaxed, enlightened. Enlightened means we're lightening the load. We're not being heavy and, you know, adding to our load. So it might look serious, you know, as people are, you know, more with themselves and quiet and silent, and, um, but it's not about being dour. So smiling is fine, laughing is fine, what a, you know, let that, let your being express itself, but in silence. So, and also trying to let go of evaluating. You know, we, we often, you know, we approach things and we've got, we're so busy to evaluate, is this good, is this working, am I getting anywhere, who's getting faster than me, and you know, and it's only you know three hours into the retreat, so to, you know it's a fine process of the mind to evaluate, but just do it at the end, or do it when you get home and go, oh, what was that retreat like? What was the net effect? Let me kind of take a look. How am I at the end of the retreat? How am I when I go home and meet my family or my partner or whatever? And to remember that this this form, this practice, this tradition has been around for thousands of years. It's been tried and tested by millions and millions of people all over the world. It wasn't invented in California at Esalen 15 years ago (laughs) as a nice idea. (laughs) You know, really, it works. So there's a certain part we we can trust in that. And I'll talk more about this tomorrow, but to invite this quality of what we call beginner's mind. And many of you are beginners, so that's beautiful. Beginner's mind is when we, you know, if you go, if you enter an activity, 
and you're a complete beginner, there's a certain kind of curiosity, like, I don't know what this is. Let me kind of find out. Let me be curious. Let me pay attention. When we think we know what's going to happen, we lose that beginner's mind, that curious mind, and we go, oh, yeah, I know what happens. You sit, and then you walk, and you sit, and then, you know, and then you go home, you know. What's the big deal? <laughs> and we, you know, we become jaded. So to, to, to remember this beginner's quality, it's like a childlike curiosity. So um, even though we're in silence, there will be opportunities to talk. So um, there'll be plenty of time to ask questions throughout the day. Um, At the end of meditation, I'll I'll, I'll ask uh, for questions if there are any. We'll have, you'll all meet with me in a smaller group uh, at one point during the retreat uh, tomorrow. And we'll divide the group up tomorrow. Um, And then... um, Annie Nugent, who is a teacher here, um, she'll be coming in tomorrow to do some uh, individual meetings with people who, who would prefer to talk about, to a teacher one-on-one. Um, so that will be available tomorrow afternoon. I'll say more about that tomorrow when she comes in. We'll also have yoga. There'll be a yoga session for each of you uh, in the afternoon just to kind of ease the body and bring a little more fluidity in. really helps with the practice. So that's, um, you know, an, an orientation to the retreat and some of the logistics. Uh, and then two other things that we like to do before we enter retreat proper is to um, uh, take what's called the refuges and the precepts. And uh, these are things that also help create the container for the retreat. So here at this retreat center, what we create is like a temporary monastery where we come together with a similar intention to meditate, to wake up, to be present, to understand meditation. And so we create this community. And so there are certain things that are important for all of us to feel safe and trust and to deepen in in this space to create a sense of container. So um, the first of those uh, are the, what's called the five precepts or ethical guidelines that we ask each of you to take as a way of creating a sense of harmony in the, in the space here. And basically they're very commonsensical guidelines to uh, not create harm and to create kind of well-being with each other. The first is basically not to harm or kill any living being. So I don't expect you'll kill each other on this retreat. You might get annoyed with each other for someone about something, but you know maybe someone turns a shower on too early at you know five minutes before six or whatever. The... But um, as I've noticed here, since uh, there's a lot of bugs, a lot of critters, a lot of biting things, mosquitoes and black—I don't know what they are—black flies or no CMs. I don't know what's out this time of year, but there's plenty of biting things. So, um, and to ask that you respect all of life here. You know, the, the, these, these grounds are considered sanctuaries for, for all life, and that includes the bugs and the animals and the critters and the mosquitoes. So you can brush them off, but try not to, you know, oops, sorry. You know, because life is the most valuable thing to life, and just as our lives are the most valuable things to ourselves, so, so it is even to an ant, to a, to a spider, to a, to a mosquito. The second guideline is to refrain from taking anything which hasn't been freely offered. So um, 
you may notice there's no locks on the doors, uh, nothing is locked here, um, and we create an environment of trust and respect, and so we respect each other's stuff, we respect IMS's stuff, we don't take anything, any food or any nice looking <coughs> cushion or blanket or whatever that uh, hasn't been offered to us. I noticed my bench had already been changed. <laughs> I came and he was like, oh, that's not the bench that I put here. <laughs> So, um, and that can be a little disorienting when you, when you come and some, suddenly your, your cushion's missing or your blanket's missing. So just to respect each other's stuff, very obvious and simple. Um, the third is to refrain from any sexual activity on the retreat. And the reason for that is we're, uh, the, you know, sexuality is a very strong energy and we can get quite preoccupied in our lives and on retreat by it. And so the invitation is to take that energy and to, as we're coming back more to ourselves and to our inner experience, to not let that energy run out um, uh, and take us away from ourselves and our practice. So to, to have a, a practice of celibacy for the weekend, um, and then we'll release you from that at the end of the weekend so <coughs> when you go back home. So, but it's really just an orientation to bring that energy uh, into ourselves and into our practice. And then the fourth guideline is to, uh, to practice noble silence, which I've talked about. Uh, and noble silence also speaks to an inner silence. You know, we can have outer silence and not talk, you know. I'm not talking, but I'm judging the hell out of you. <laughs> and everything else that might be going on in my mind. So um, to see if we can also have silence in the mind. And then lastly, to refrain from taking any intoxicants that cloud the mind that lead to less mindfulness. So that would be any drugs or alcohol. So we ask that you refrain from taking those while you're here. But that does not apply to prescription medications. If you're taking those, please continue to take those as normal. So um, those are the training guidelines, refraining from harming any life, killing any life, refraining from not taking anything that hasn't been freely offered, refraining from sexual activity, noble silence, and refraining from intoxicants. So just take a moment to take those in. So we'll we'll commit to those for the weekend. And these are practices, and these are practices that you can do in your life. It's actually, they're actually very useful, simple guidelines. You know, as we move through our lives and in our relationships, it's useful to have some kind of moral compass. That in Buddhism, the ethical foundation is considered essential for meditation. You know, if we've just gone and yelled at somebody, or been abusive, or stolen something, or acted out sexually, and we come to meditate, guess what happens? Our mind and our body is turning and churning and stirring. When we live a life that's ethical and blameless, as the Buddha says, when we come to meditate, there's a certain kind of ease and stillness. Try sending a horrible email and then meditating afterwards. It doesn't feel very good. Or try receiving a horrible email and meditating afterwards. You know, it affects us. So the second set of practices are the, um, uh, what we call refuges. And the refuges are another, another sort of uh, container or orientation to life, uh, retreat life, and they're central to uh, uh, Buddhist teachings and practitioners throughout the world. And they're basically ways, uh, 
you can think about the word refuge as a as a place of safety, as a, as a place where we feel trust. And so, um, it's another way of putting it, is, a, is, a, is something we place our heart upon, something we orient, orients, it's like a compass we use to move through the world. And you might want to reflect, well, what do, what do I take refuge in in my life? What, what are the things that are most important in my life that I take refuge in? Maybe it's myself, or my work, or my family, or money, or study, or my career, or who knows what. And the retreat the, the three refuges that we're, we're placing our attention on, uh, the first is, is the Buddha. And the, the word Buddha means to be awake. So essentially, we're, we're placing our primary orientation to waking up, to understanding that we have the, our, the capacity to awaken in ourselves. Awaken up from ignorance, awake, awaken from our suffering, awaken to the truth. Through mindfulness, through awareness, we have this innate capacity to be aware so that's what taking refuge in the Buddha means. It can also be to take refuge in the, in the historical Buddha who is an example of somebody who just was an ordinary person who woke up themselves. The second refuge is the Dharma. The Dharma means truth, the way things are, the, the, the natural laws of things. So our practice, as we become more aware, we start to understand the laws, the, the characteristics, the way the world works. In particular, we're interested in what causes suffering and what causes happiness. To understand there's a certain lawfulness. When I hold on, when I grasp, when I cling, guess what happens? I feel constricted. I feel tight. I feel separate. I feel pain, especially when that thing starts to go. So that's what we're so, oh, the law of change, that everything is changing. When we try to resist change, what happens? We suffer because it's ridiculous. You can't, you can't fight change. Changes the nature of this universe. So as we practice, we become to see, come to see and come and come into alignment with these with these universal truths. That's taking refuge in the Dharma, and then taking refuge in the Sangha is the Sangha means spiritual community. So in this case, it's the community of people we're practicing with. So and as you'll come to see over the weekend. There's a, we get a lot of support when we do this practice together. If we just sent you off into the cab, if we had 100 cabins and we all sent you off into the woods and said, come back on Sunday afternoon and tell us how it went. You know, well, I got up at 10, you know, I read the paper and I checked my email. I meditated for 10 minutes and then I had breakfast. And, the, you know, it, it, there's something very valuable about this bells. Everyone comes to the meditation, there's bells, people walk and then sit. And there's a kind of a collective energy that happens. And you'll, you'll feel the draft of that, just like geese fly on the draft of the birds in front. So we, we draft a little on the collective uh, energy here. So I just invite you to reflect again. So to, to take refuge in the Buddha, or to take refuge in this capacity to awaken, to take refuge in the Dharma, or the truth of the way things are, to take refuge in the Sangha, the spiritual community, this does not mean you're joining any Buddhist club. Um, it just means for this weekend we're, we're placing certain things as a focus. Okay, so that's um, the orientation for the retreat. And uh, tomorrow morning, uh, well, there'll be an. We'll, we're going to have a meditation, a short meditation right now. We'll stretch a little and do a short meditation. Then tomorrow morning, 
We'll have a, an early morning sit for those who want to come at six o'clock. I know many of you arrived, you've driven a long way, or you've flown and you're tired, and so if you want to just rest and then just come to breakfast at 6.30, that's fine. Uh, and then at the, uh, the first sit after breakfast, which is 8.15, uh, I'll give a much more comprehensive uh, guide to the meditation practice, instructions, and sitting meditation, and walking meditation. So any burning questions about any of that before we take a break and sit together? You're either all really tired and you can just want to go to bed (laughs) or it's clear, clear enough for now. Okay, so why don't we just stand for a minute and stretch your legs. You've been sitting a while, stretch a little and then we'll sit for 10, 15 minutes. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.